Welcome, 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 welcome to another Root Working episode. Um, working without the G, y'all. Remember, keep it black. Keep it black. I am your host, Sarah L. Ward, artivist, black woman, Grio. And this is a podcast that centers the opinions, stories, and perspectives of black women. It is my hope that by listening, you are encouraged to think deeply and work your own roots by looking inward. And on that note, y'all, we are going to, of course, start with our root working note of the day. It reads as follows. Sometimes... Your crossroads isn't that complicated to decipher. Sometimes the choices are simple. You are either going to acknowledge you are the key and have everything you need inside of you, or you are going to be disloyal to your own internal intelligence you choose. I'm going to read it again for the people in the back because it was a lot of words, okay? Listen, it reads as follows. Sometimes your crossroads isn't that complicated to decipher. Sometimes the choices are simple. You are either going to acknowledge you are the key and have everything you need inside of you, or you are going to be disloyal, or you are going to be disloyal to your own internal intelligence you choose. On some, the choice is yours, boo. The choice is yours. And I think in in coming into this specific root working note, because of course all things are kind of like shelled out from <laughs> messages, honestly, that I'd be needing at the time. Um, and for me, this root working note really comes into play uh, when we're talking about, or when I'm talking about like decision-making skills on what's best for you. Um, I grew up in a household where the, like, what would you even call it? Like the slogan of my, of my folks parenting skills was like, or not skill strategy was like, I know you better than you know you. And unfortunately hearing that all my life, I've come into a place where I'm like, I question if I know what I need because I feel like. If I don't even know me, right, if the if the knowing of my of my being of my fullness um, is impossible unless I am engaging with a being that is outside of myself, then what actually do I know? Uh, And so for me, I really have been in a place um, of trying to heal that or realize that I have the keys Um and being honest with how complicated that process is, it's like it's like always being in engagement with your intuition, um, but not necessarily acting on your intuition. You like always being in a place of having to be proven right. And I was just thinking about this, like what if like we weren't in a place of trying to be proven right. We were just simply in a place of understanding that what we're thinking is correct and we move on that correctness as opposed to continuing down the path where we've seen multiple signs that says this is a dead end. Like, that's so goofy. Like, the sign, the dead end sign is your intuition. But my black ass be walking all the way down to the end of the road like, see, I knew it. 
ain't no way out. Like, how dumb is that? <laughs> that sounds so fucking stupid. But and yet, that's like how my decision making has been. And so when it comes to like this idea of like you're either like actually all the choices aren't that hard, right? Like you're at a, you're at a crossroads, right? The right side of the road says dead end. The left side of the road tells you it leads you to an intersection or leads you to this or that highway or this or that interstate. Like, why would you, if you have somewhere to be, right, if you have somewhere to be and time is of the essence, why would you continue down the path just so the GPS is in a a place of having to reroute you, right? Like, you're having to completely turn around and not only do you have to turn around but you're you're turning around on like a tight road right like you having to (laughs) drive forward and reverse then drive forward and reverse and drive forward and reverse just to make you know what on an average street would just be a u-turn but you can't you don't have the space to do that it's like why are you funneling yourself into um in an area of like complication or where like your hands are being tied like it's not necessary so sometimes the crossroads is really like trusting your gut enough to make decisions off of the gut-wrenching feeling as opposed to having the gut-wrenching feeling but seeing it out just to make sure and prove to you yourself that what you thought was true Like, I'm not quite sure that that is, like, effective way of (laughs) living life. And I say this very much so to myself, so I offer this up to you all. Um, I could keep talking on it. I'm like, I don't want to preach to you all tonight. (laughs) I don't want to preach to you tonight. But I, I really do offer that up for you all. Like, really think about choosing yourselves and thinking about, like, Oh, maybe like I do know what needs to happen or maybe, maybe, um, not even maybe, like I do know what needs to happen. I, and I am the, the captain of my own soul, like that sort of thing. Like I have the answers and in this moment where a decision has to be made, I don't need to consult the expert because you are the expert. You feel me? Like you are the expert you are the expert like there is nobody who knows you better than you know you you feel me like you have known you all your fucking life and in fact you are the only person who can really know you because you're the only person who knows what you go through internally you feel me like don't be out here letting folks tell y'all that you don't know yourself because if you don't know yourself then who the fuck does Okay, and on that note, we're going to get into our theme song. <laughs> Tell me what it is. Mm. I didn't see this coming. I didn't know nothing at all. Yeah. There's something silent in. There's something silent in the air. Whoa. All right, y'all, this is the point in the podcast where we pass the motherfucking collection plates. Y'all already know what it is. We have several ways of giving, if the Lord has put it on your heart, honey. We have Patreon, which, of course, I'm going to keep 
preach until Patreon uh, it turns into something beyond just collecting monthly uh, money offerings. Um, but we have Patreon, which is at Root Working. We have a tech offering, still trying to get a second mic. Um, yeah, still trying to get a second mic for my setup here for when I do conversational, like, back and forths um, with our thought partners on, like, the text that we're reading, what have you, um, because we will bring Jelly Black, <laughs> Jelly Black, I mean, but really, though, that is her name, <laughs> Jelly Low Black, back into the space um, in the fall. So we'll be looking to get some more tech for that. Book offerings, um, and speaking of, there's some extra books I need to add on my list. But if you're ever interested in investing in my scholarship, um, both that adds into the podcast and that also adds into just my studies in general, you all know I'm getting my master's um, in fine arts, um, which is guiding me down this like path of performance studies scholarship and interest, if you're interested in that. Um, there is a book offering link that I have listed in the show notes as well. Um, also, you all know that I am interested in getting my PhD unless taken down a different route between now and then, which is only about a year. Um, so honestly, all book offerings are grateful book offerings and high key, low key, high key. My dream is to have, like, the house that I build in my mind has a massive library um, with all the books that I have amassed over my, like, scholarly career. So, you know, (laughs) I wouldn't be mad at you if you bought me a book, honey. Uh, And then the other ways are Cash App, um, Venmo, PayPal, monetary one-offs. In addition to, I guess, the Amazon wish list are kind of like one-offs, too. Um, But... All that being said, I mean, y'all know what it is. Like, if if donating ain't on your heart and you don't have the resources, it's cool. No hard feelings. Y'all know I love y'all just for listening. Um, and also, recommending the podcast to a friend always goes a long way. Give me reviews. Um, tell me what your thoughts are. Reach out to me. If y'all, if y'all listen to the podcast, reach out to me and let me know, like, what you think. Like, if you have extra... I don't know, opinions. Um, I would love to engage in dialogue with y'all about the topics that we're discussing. Um, But nonetheless, you know, if if nothing else, I really do appreciate you all lending me your ear. Go on, switch it up with no warning. Bottle it up now, all of your pain. Okay, y'all, so what I want to talk about today is that the kids is fucking tired. (laughs) The kids is fucking tired. Um, And this is actually a a portion of this episode is actually something I've been wanting to talk about for a while but couldn't quite figure out where to place it. Um, And recently, I don't even know, I'm looking at when was this video posted. 
This video was posted that I'm going to play for you all May 11, 2022, but I think it's just recently going viral, or I should say it just recently came across my page um, or my timeline and folks, my stories that they were reposting. Uh, This video, actually, July, sorry, I got two videos pulled up. The first video I'm going to play for you all was supposed to July 14th, 2022. Uh, And this, again, same thing. Uh, It's going viral right now. Uh, The other video that I was referring to also went viral, but we'll get to that one later. Um, It's going viral right now in that folks are, you know, having many opinions, having many things to say. Um, So I figure why not give my two cents. The video that I'm going to play for you is of, I think their name is Nayara. I think that's how you say it, Nayara Taminga, who's 13. She's speaking, they are speaking to city commission, um, their city commission in response to another wrongful murder of a black man um, who goes by the name of Patrick Loya, please forgive me if I'm saying these names wrong, but I'm doing my best. Um, so I'm going to play this just so we have reference on what we are conversing about, and then we'll come back. My name is Nayara Taminga. I am 13 years old. I've lived in Grand Rapids almost my whole life. I'm going to say it again. I'm 13 years old. All of you are adults. Adults, right? You can drive, you can drink, you can vote. I don't have that. When I asked my mom if I could be dropped off here, her response was, is it safe? Is it safe? You know, we had someone come up here and talk, don't teach our children to disobey those who are protecting us. I don't see them protecting me. If you want to talk about those protecting me, I look to those who are standing right now because my trust is in them. I don't trust any of you. I don't trust any of the police officers because you have shown time and time again that we cannot trust you. I go to City High Middle School, just voted the top high school, top high school in the state. You know what they teach us? Teach us to speak up for yourself. We're IB learners, right? We're smart. None of you are smart. None of you can recognize murderers. You can identify that there is a problem, but you cannot fix it. I don't know much about the law again. I'm young, but I'm pretty sure an accomplice to a murder should be arrested. And right now, all of you sitting and doing nothing are accomplices to a murder. Please, please refrain from the the, the additional commentary. If you could let her finish. I am sorry. They are fine. I'm still allowing to speak. Please, go ahead. I am frustrated, and frustrated can't even begin how absolutely terrified I am to live here. I'm expected, I'm expected to raise my kids here. I'm expected to go outside and walk my five-year-old little brother. God forbid we look too scary. God forbid he accidentally is wearing his hood and we get the police called on us because we are window shopping to go steal later. I'm not, I don't want to keep coming here. Trust me, this is not how I want to spend my night. I don't want to come here. I don't want to sit here and I don't want to have to beg you to stop killing people. That's not what I want to do. I have friends. I have other things that I could be doing. And I'm sitting in front of a group of adults who think murder is okay. And you can't sit here and tell me you don't think murder is okay because you're allowing it to happen. 
If you want to talk about God, you want to talk about Jesus, I'm a Christian. I don't know what God some of these people believe in, but it sure ain't mine. I, I have never read in the Bible where he said we should allow the people who are supposed to be protecting us kill us. I'm sorry, maybe I missed that scripture, though. I'm not, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Please, please do not make me sit here and scream another name. Do not sit here and make me beg. And God forbid that name is mine. God forbid that name is any of these people. God forbid. Thank you. Thank you. All right, y'all. So this, well, I should say clips of this video is going viral. I went and found the, I don't want to call it the original video, but the fullness of the video um, on YouTube, which, of course, will be in the show notes so you all can reference it. But first things first, I honestly think it's really unfortunate. Like, while social media is such a powerful tool, um, it is. It is also forcing children to come into a race, a racial awakening that they just shouldn't have to do so early. Now, given she is 13, but she's also talking about her five-year-old brother. Um, and so to me, I'm always just like, oh, that fucking sucks because, my, I mean, my kids, my kids, my kids, like, they can recite things off of social media. I mean, because that's just, that's all, that's what they hear. People are always on their phones, so they're always in a place of being able to replicate or reproduce what it is that they're hearing on social media. And it's like, our social media is wrapped up in, I don't know, like, there's like, of course, there's many spheres of social media, right? But there's so many, like, areas or pockets of social media that are really embedded in, like, speaking out against racial violence, um, you know, activism, in a very necessary way, and I just always think about like, damn, like these kids are getting younger and younger because it's it's not ju- it's not enough to have a racial awakening or a racial reckoning. As that, like, that's just the first step. But being able to speak about your frustrations and form words around an argument about race takes a lot of exposure to said issue. Like, I remember when I had my first awakening moments like I didn't have the words for it so I created art about it but I couldn't I couldn't get into like a debate or you know any of these things because it was I mean social media was also fairly new then um so in order to have exposure opinions you had to be watching the news consistently and y'all really I don't really fucking like the news honestly Um, but also I grew up in like an NPR household and I just, the old white lady who used to talk, y'all, she talked mad slow, love homegirl, but she used to talk mad slow. And I just used to be so fucking frustrated. Like if she doesn't get the news out faster, I'm going to scream. (laughs) Like I just didn't have the patience. (laughs) I didn't have the patience for how slow she reported shit. And my dad had the news on all the time, it felt like. And so I would just be like, all right, I'm going to leave you to your news shit. But, like, I don't know. I just, you, it's, the exposure that you have to have in order to to formulate, like, words to express your frustration is a skill. I need people to understand that, like, it is 
a skill. You can't just pick up a debate that you found online and continue it without the practice. Like, it is a muscle. But that isn't even the first thing that really got me. Um, what got me, of course, because, you know, we're on social media, you see a video, the media—well, I should say, if I'm speaking from my eye— the immediate choreographies that I engage when after that is looking at the comment section. So, of course, Homegirl really came through with this clapback, right? But the cap the 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 comments the comments said from one person like she's an elder, to which somebody else replied, Wow, a true guardian and elder. Um, of course, we have, like, she was so courageous and eloquent, wow, and only 13. She's inspiring. Um, there, I'm scrolling through them live time, y'all. Uh, of course, what you already know is written down, oh, she's been here before. Um, which people responded, like, she sure has. Um... Honestly, that's, like, the bulk of it. I could keep scrolling, but those are the, like, the first, like, immediate ones that you see there, like, at the top for me. And honestly, y'all, it's many things, there are many things that pisses me off about this, but in particular, like, it pisses me off that folks honestly be so surprised that children are birthed with wisdom, because most folks, like, still see children as people who are to be seen and not heard. Like, if we grew up in a society where where children were allowed the space to practice communication, a child speaking up and speaking their mind would not be, I don't know, a spectacle. You know what I mean? Like, it just wouldn't be a spectacle. It wouldn't – it would be like, oh, yeah, well, of course – this child would speak up and say, ah, 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 one, because uh, there's less at stake for them, right? Like, you don't have a job that's at stake. You don't have um, a reputation necessarily that's at stake, like, which is why children are truth tellers, right? Like, they have less at stake or less to lose, so why wouldn't I speak my mind, right? But also it's like... Also, it's like, why why are we still in a place where we see children as not being, like, people who come into the world with past knowledge? It's like the thing that I try to push up against in my classroom in that while, sure, we might be in a uh, lecture or might be engaging in a lecture about dance history, uh, that does not take away from the fact that anytime you come into my classroom, I assume that you come with prior knowledge. Like, I assume that you um, withhold a certain amount of intelligence that allows you the tools and um, the wherewithal to engage um, critically with the topic that we're speaking on, right? In an educational manner, right? And so it pisses me off when I see comment sections that are just dumbfounded by a young person's ability to communicate. And in fact, all they should really be in a place of doing is communicating because, and communicating in a way that, that um, 
feels mature because they are always in a place of sitting back and watching and listening and observing what it is that they see. And especially in the time of social media, they're being exposed to many uh Modes of communication, way of communicating ideas, strategies of communicating complex concepts, ideas, thoughts, arguments, positionings, positionalities, like all of these things. Like this is all they do on a daily basis. They're learning, right? They're learning the choreographies of the world. They're learning how to perform things, right? They are an audience of everyone, right? an audience of everyone. But what pisses me off is like people can't seem to make sense of when a child, in this case, transfers their um, their ticket in for not being an audience member but being the performer. Like it's something about a child shifting into this sort of um, performer state of being that like all of a sudden now they're not a child they're an elder why are we adultifying if that's a word these children who simply are in a mode of rep- replicating what it is that they're seeing and that is effective communication skills like even if they are not being exposed to effective modes of communicating in their own homes most people um, whether it be in school or social media, or even if, like, clearly she has a sermonic performative approach, right? She's been in church, so she's been to how many church services where sermons are communicated in a very particular way, which is why her linguistic approach is to have these sort and modes of pacing so people can digest what it is that she's saying. She She provides a complex sentence structure so she pauses, She allows you to consume, and she also makes space for signifying, right? Signifying, and then after the signifies are finished or she has this sort of intuitive understanding that, okay, now I can move on to my next complex idea, then that is what she does, right? But why is it that that mode of performing language is solely associated with eldership or wisdom? Now, Don't get me wrong. I firmly understand, like, oh, she's been here before. Oh, she's an elder. But I honestly don't think that it takes years of living to want to be in a place of communicating when something is fucking wrong. I just don't. I just don't. And it also doesn't take eldership to know that police brutality is wrong and shouldn't be read for filth. Read for filth. The difference between these younger people who are stepping up and adults or they have less to lose, right? Like they, they, they're, like we've already said, they don't have a shit ton of money at stake. Their their jobs aren't going to let them go because we all know that's a thing too. Like being in social media, sharing ideas um, and your belief systems can get you fired for better or for worse, right? They're not having to engage with those sorts of stakes, right? For her, it's fairly low stakes. All that she has to lose is honestly, <laughs> and it's not funny, but her life, which is why she is, why she has 
put herself into a position where communication is the tool that she is investing in learning how to wield because her life depends on it, right? It's something more than money. It's something more than a job. It's something more than capital, right? Like capital being financial things. Like she is realizing that what hangs in the balance is far more precious than silver and gold. Preach, Sarah. Okay. So I don't know. It really pisses me off that all of a sudden when kids begin to communicate and the way that they're consuming and hearing, all of a sudden now they're They are adultified. Still don't know if it's a word, but we're going to say it. Like, no. How about you assert that children are in a place where communication um, is, is at their reach, is in their reach? And, like, what pisses me off is, like, this comes from this whole idea of, like, being programmed to believe that those who are younger than you, right, for speaking about children, are beneath you are beneath you. Like, the shit really... But sure, let's go the elder route. If we want to go the elder... Because I firmly believe that pieces of our ancestors are birthed into us. Now, this could be, like, um, a unique road, I should say, or, like, exposure of my belief systems in certain ways, spiritual belief systems in certain ways, in that... I believe that Sarah is Sarah is Sarah, but I also firmly believe that my mother ward gave me pieces of her, right? I don't believe necessarily that mother ward is me. You feel me? Like, I believe pieces of people in our lineage fall and trickle down into the bloodline um, into those who whose calling require their amassed knowledge, right? But I just don't believe that they are, like, I don't believe that you've been here before, like, your entire being is another soul. I don't believe that. Um, But i sure what I do believe, though, is that in that same vein, right, I firmly believe that our ancestors, these ancestors are giving pieces, right, pieces of themselves to, like, the new, right? The people who are being born and raised on this planet because folks clearly need to be read for filth eloquently just to listen. Like, eloquence is needed just for somebody to listen. And honestly, this really speaks to how I even got to this podcast because for me, what I what I named it before when I was younger is that I hate bullies. I hate people who utilize their elevation, their status to tear younger people down or people who are beneath them down or to uproot the power of individuals who seem, quote, powerless, right? Not powerless, but having less power, powerless. And so for me, my strategy in combating um, what I call, like, bullying essentially and like not in the like physical bullying I mean strictly in the linguistic performative like stage um like 
speaking down to people, think like talking circles around somebody because you know that they can't keep up, gatekeeping knowledge and speaking in a very particular way that doesn't really help the person that you're speaking to understand because what you're invested in is being elevated and perched. That's what the most people are or these type of people are invested in. So you talk in a way where it makes you seem like um, what folks call it in academia as being like the talking head at the fr- in the front of the room, right? You hold all knowledge, you know all things, and anybody who's on the opposite side of you, right, who's in the audience is there to learn from you. You are there to pour into them. It is the opposite, of assuming that anybody that you're talking to comes into your conversation with previous knowledge, right? And so for me, my way to combat feeling powerless was investing in my communication skills, investing in reading, investing in listening to how people speak on certain ideas, topics, and concepts, It's why I thought I was going to be a lawyer initially because I, one, hated bullies and, two, wanted to be able to use language and storytelling, but (laughs) use language to um, act on folks' behalf, right, to advocate for people. And so I, that in me recognizes that in her. Um, And I just, I do think that that at her age of 13, that there are pieces, right, of her that is a gift from an elder, right? But what pisses me off is that if she did not speak in that way, right, because it's honestly, y'all, she kind of, it's a performance a little bit, right? Like she is, her linguistic performative approach is that of a sermon, which is a cadence, like it is a cadence that is employed. She doesn't normally speak like that, I'm pretty sure, right? She transformed this space into a stage, which is what was necessary. But what pisses me off is that if she didn't come up there like that, she would have been written off. That is what irritates me, and that is what irritates me about how people treat children. I don't care how young they are. Because the younger that they are, they quite they don't quite have the language to communicate what it is that they're trying to say. So maybe it comes out in fragments. Maybe it comes out in, in like what's what society is called as acting out, or maybe um, I don't know. Like it, they come off as being quote disrespectful or lacking lacking. Um, an awareness of the respectability that should be asserted to an adult, like that sort of thing. Like, and so I'm like, I don't like that. Cause clearly she's a 13 year old. This had to go above and beyond. Like clearly homegirl is doing a thousand fucking percent. I'm pretty sure the way that she's speaking is quite different than the average 13 year old that she's around. Even if her high school did like test to be the top of whatever in their state. Like, she is doing 
above and beyond what's necessary. So I just, I don't know. I, I don't like that. I don't like that kids have to go above and beyond and honestly age themselves in a way that isn't quite necessary for a 13-year-old just to simply be heard by adults, just to simply be um, taken seriously, honestly. Because if we want to talk like, spoken from the mouths of babes, well, the proverb comes from somewhere, but it requires you to listen to the babes. Hello? Awesome. Is anybody there? <laughs> like, honestly, honestly. And so with that, I'm going to funnel us into the next I, I won't play all of it. I'll play a little bit of this next clip. This, now this is a video that it was posted May 11, 2022, and it went viral uh, like maybe two or three weeks ago. Um, folks know it as, uh, I actually don't know their name of the young girl, but it was a, the video of the girl who was talking to a panel of adults, um, about just like growing up as a child and having to respond to folks parenting. Um, the video is titled, and of course I will post this in the show notes. Um, the video is titled Community Talk, Family Town Hall, Children, Teens, and Culture uh, on May 11th at 7 p.m. So I'll play this for us and we'll come back. So in my house um, with my mom, it was always everything was up for discussion. Everything was up for discussion because my mama, she a real understanding person. So it was literally a conversation I had growing up with me. I'm a real knowledgeable person. I like to know a lot of stuff. So I literally, so the way I would come across and say things, she'll be like, I know you're not coming from a, a standpoint of um, you trying to be disrespectful to people, but some people don't understand you how I understand you, so you might have to correct yourself. So I literally had a conversation with my mom. I was like, okay, I'm going to tell you stuff and stop me when I get disrespectful. I express my feelings, but that don't happen with everybody. And so when I was standing up here and you guys were like, don't belittle your children, but the whole statement of you're not on my level sounds like belittlement to us. It's saying you're not as, you don't have as much value as me. You're not as important to me. You don't put up what I put up. So you can't have a say so in what we do. Mm. You don't pay bills. You don't, you don't own this house. You don't pay for nothing. <laughs> When you make, when you bring up the stuff that you do for your children, it makes us feel like a burden. It makes us feel like I can't wait till I grow up so I don't have to be a burden to you anymore. If you say, it's like, it's like when you was like, when people be like, your parents had a life before you, it makes you feel like I made you so miserable and bitter and like I just don't want to be here anymore because you don't want me to be here anymore. So why should I be here and put my best before if the person who gave birth to me and made me come in this life doesn't want me? How am I supposed to look at somebody else for love if I feel like I'm not getting love at home? What do you do when you want to have somebody to talk to, but they, they like, you can't talk to them. You go to somebody else to talk to, and that's not who you want us to talk to. How am I supposed to come and talk to you, and you don't listen to me, but somebody else may listen to me, but they not going to treat me how you want me to be treated. 
You love me, but you don't show it. But they don't love me, but they act like they love me. So I'm going to go to the person that acts like they love me and not the person who... <laughs> I'm going to go to the person who acts like they love me. Because when you, when you grow up like this and you grow up with people who emotionally stunt your growth, you go looking for other people and you insecure. You go looking for other people for sex, for people who are going to tell you, oh, you're pretty. That's why the first person to tell you you're pretty, I'm glad my mama never... They say your parent and your family is your first bully. Point out every insecurity you have and then you, wanna, you want your kids to feel beautiful and smart and go to school with people who telling them the same thing you tell them. That's not going to work. You can't you can't want to be your children's love and shelter, but you're not that. That's materialistic things. If God was only materialistic to you, you will feel hurt. You need to have your spirit be healed. You need to have your spirit be fed. It's okay to have clothes and shoes and all this stuff, but what about my spirit? What about my emotions? What about my mental state? You can't be, you, you look pretty on the outside. You got me nice shoes. You got me nice things, but I'm struggling on the inside. One and some people want to commit suicide, but they look good on the outside. Y'all focus on the outside so much that you don't take the time. You say you listen to your children, but nine times out of ten, you're not really listening because we don't feel safe. You say you create a safe space, but that's nine times this is not true. Because even though my parents never hit me or they never threatened to hit me, the they words hurt even worse. It, were you telling me? Uh, I'm, you never say you disappointed in me, but your body language show it all. You, you look at me like I'm just some, like you can't believe I, you raised this. Some people say to tell kids, I can't believe I raised somebody like this. Well, if you raised me so, so beautifully that you shared you with, how come I ended up like this? It's a lot of things that go into having a kid. And some people don't even, some people res- end up resenting their kids when they have them too young or they have them with the wrong person. And some people just realize that, you sometimes it's too late to recognize the trauma because when you get older and I don't have to spend time with you, how often do you see me? When I don't have to live with you no more, how often do you see me? When I have my, some people get jobs, some people hang out with friends' house because they don't want to go home, and you don't, you refuse to recognize that you yourself have caused your child's trauma, whether you want to admit it or not, and that's the issue. Give it up for all right y'all i love 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 that audio clip for many reasons but one that is in line with this discussion that we're having now is how much children view communicating as their main survival tool you feel me like their main survival tool. So why is it that when children employ this tool, right, this this piece of iron that they've been sharpening, right, why is it that for whatever reason we can't continue to see them as a child? That is what irritates me. Why Why immediately when children communicate in this way are they automatically transitioned to eldership? You do not have to be here long <laughs> to recognize when you're being bullied and want to pick up the tools that are within your grasp, within your reach, I mean, to fend for yourself. 
That's a survivalist skill. It doesn't take being 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, uh, having been on this earth thousands of years ago. It doesn't take that. It does not take that. But also, <laughs> she read them for filth, and I could honestly go into, like, actually what she said. But something that I also want to know, and this is something that I'm going to speak about in another podcast, too. What's also interesting is the use of, like, religion as a reference. I can I, I'm going to open the can of worms, and then we're going to throw the can of worms to the side because this ain't that podcast. Um, but the use of, like, religious reference to back up, like, the dissonance between what they're feeling, what they're learning, and what they're seeing performed in front of them. That is really interesting to me because it's like, not only are we learning to communicate because it's all that we have, we're also using the lessons that you're giving us in order to further communicate and understand why this performance that these adults or people who are opposite of them are engaging in is wrong. Is wrong. But why is it that when you are a person in power, engaging with powerless people, all of a sudden the morals of religion are obsolete? All of a sudden, abuse is what's good for you. Silencing you is what's good for you. That doesn't make sense to me. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> and we gonna toss it to the side, honey, because I don't have the time. I don't fucking have the time. Now, but what I will say, though, is it's what's really unfortunate about this that also isn't necessarily... Uh, it, it wasn't tethered to how I came across this video or even maybe even how it went viral is that this happened in a church, y'all, like... This happened in a church. That's another thing. This happened in a church, and it was supposed to be a community talk. It was supposed to be a community talk. But to set the stage for you performatively, if this was to be a community talk, right, because we're, we're talking about levels of power and the ways in which people employ language to speak down to people in order to disengage them, um, in order to disengage them to maintain the the well-oiled engine or the status quo, right? Who has power and who who doesn't? If if they, this was a real community talk, it would have been um, in a room where all chairs were either in a circle or some sort of like um, uh, shape that communicates that we are all on the same level, Right? These Negroes was on a stage. It's in a church. It's in a church. But because it's in a church, I also know that there's an eating place. There's a place that people go over for the Passover meal. Okay? There there are, there are conference-like spaces, especially in this church, because this church is giving kind of Maggie Churchy vibes. Like, homeboy got... Uh, a 4k camera he got this ipad he looked like he got orange juice on this is the pastor i'm explaining to y'all and you know of course he's a man a black man <clears throat> yeah um but they have they have access they have resources 
which means that I know that they have a room that performatively will allow people to engage in this community talk as a real community talk, right, where hierarchy is not a tool employed to maintain power, right, if we're really trying to have a communication between adults and children, maybe, teens, fuck. I really don't know who thought of this shit. Um, because also the way that the pastor responded to her, it's almost as like he's preaching a sermon on why a child should stay in a child's place. The Christian folk, they just lost in the sauce. <laughs> Maybe lost in the sauce, y'all. I ain't even gonna hold you. I was lost in the sauce once before, honey. I was lost in the sauce. Trying to find my way out of the fucking pot, honey. But, like, performatively, this this community talk is... They're sitting on a stage. It's like a round... Um, like a semicircle. A semicircle of adults. And all of these adults are, like... They go around the circle and they're like people who have been working with kids for, let them tell it, years, right? And so what they are doing is, in the beginning of this clip, is they're setting themselves up to be considered the experts. The experts on understanding what children need, um, how to engage with children, ah, ah, like all of these things. And so, or how children act, how children respond, like what are the... Um, behavioral patterns, this, that, and the third, right? And honestly, the way it looks is that they're panelists. They're panelists talking at people as opposed to with people. And this is another thing that really bothers me. Like if people were, if those who are in power were really interested in affecting change, then there would be, a kumbaya approach. I mean, like, it would be more hand-in-hand hand type shit. But it just, it isn't that. It isn't that. It's top-down, it's top-down. And even, like, the very first video, right, the city commission, they're also very much so in an elevated place. Like, if you look at, um, honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, if you look at the way that the city commission panel of people are sitting it emulates exactly what the community talk performative setup is. And to me, I'm just like, if you're really, and I get that there's reasons why we do this, that, and a third, but this is also why I think that some of these foundational places that we commune um, in order to discuss important matters, they need to be torn down and built back up. They just need to. Because the, the separation of people um, in these spaces based on power further employs the thing that we're trying to disrupt. But we can't disrupt it if we all are still in a place of performing our placement. And that is what irritates me. If I am this young girl, first of all, shout outs to her because her heart had to be elevated. But also it's like if I am this young girl who's trying to advocate, and I think that she was like one of maybe a few people <clears throat> because after she spoke, they were like, oh, are there any other people who want to come up and speak on this matter? Uh, uh, and, and 
let the pastor tell it, the the, the kids, the teens were like, nah, she said it all. But honestly, homegirl had been, it sounded like she had been ruminating on that shit for a minute on some of the shit was festering in her spirit. And <laughs> Holy Spirit said, now is your time, honey. Go ahead. Out the mouth of babes. <laughs> but also it's like, if I am a child, right, if I am this 13-year-old, or if I am, I don't know how old the other um, girl in the second clip was, but we'll say she's 13, 14, 15, around that age. If I am walking up to advocate for myself and I have to look up at you in any way, shape, or form, or the space between me and you is vast, but the space between you and your colleagues is small. It's giving mob mentality, okay? It's giving, we are the gang, and you think that you're about to approach us, so tread lightly, which is why it makes people so uncomfortable when the people who walk up to the mic don't tread lightly, And the fact that their children adds more sauce to the pot. Like, it is the Tabasco, honey. It's the Tabasco. Do you feel me? So I'm just like, I don't know, y'all. I One of the things that I also will be like, I will die on this hill, is people needing to, like, people who are really trying to affect change need a performance studies person, like, Somebody who is hyper aware of calculating the ways bodies perform in space and the ways um, rooms and architecture is set up uh, continues to reestablish the roles that we are meant to play. Like if we are talking about trying to shake some shit up, then I need to be eye to eye with you. Do you understand I need to be, it needs to be circle energy, okay? It. This is not, this is not, you are there and I am here. Or you are there and we are here, right? It doesn't need to be that. And it's quite irresponsible to me when people act as though they want to shift things around or employ justice or this, that, and the, and it, and of course we're talking about communal effects. We're not talking about a judge. <laughs> we're just we're not that place has its own rule system, like performative rule systems. But if we're talking about community, um, like engaged community engagements or community led. Um, like events, I would argue that a church should always be community-led, but of course there are people who are pointed into place and operate as the heads. But if we're in a place of like, okay, if you're if you're the person in power and you want to walk down the stairs in order to be amongst the, quote, people, then you need to keep that same energy when it comes to organizing events. That's all I'm fucking asking. That's all I'm asking. And and not because I know what churches be on, y'all. It be churches be on some. <laughs> All right, we're gonna do a community space, and sure we can sit in, sure we can sit in a circle, but my chair is gonna look different than yours. You sitting there in the throne chair, and I'm sitting here in a folded chair. What? 
it's small shit like that. And and I I think I think people in power do understand what performative spacing does for their assertion of power. I truly believe it because if they didn't, we wouldn't have all of these objects that separate the performers from the audience, right? The people who are in the forefront from the audience. We wouldn't need or have a need for those objects that separate. So uh, I could keep going, y'all, honestly, honestly, because the way people perform power really, I mean, that's the thing that really, like, gets me going. It's like, oh, like, you really want to claim as if we are equal, but not only are you far away from me, but you have the mic and I have to yell, right? (laughs) It literally, whether you believe it or not, it subliminally teaches you choreographies and uh choreographies on how to engage with certain like organized um performance aesthetics like it teaches you from however however long right the repertories of power it teaches you the repertories of power so why aren't we invested in throwing away that archive or acknowledging the archive and using it, not even throwing it away, acknowledging the archive and using it as a reference and a compass um, to help guide us to a different thing, a different set of choreographies, a different set of movements, a different set of power aesthetics, or acknowledging the power aesthetics that we have grown accustomed to and blowing the shit up. I just, you know, we gonna wipe our hands of this one. I'm so curious to know you all's thoughts on these two videos because they're kind of far apart and I've put them in conversation with one another. Um, But at the end of the day, the kids are fucking tired and they're fed the fuck up. And honestly, I hope that my kids grow up to be uh, people who every time they open up their mouths, it's a strongly worded email. I do. I I really fucking do. <laughs> but I appreciate y'all lending me your ear and letting me rant. Honestly, letting me rant. Okay, honey. Oh, it's Sunday. Happy Sunday. It's Sunday where I'm at. Happy Sunday. I pray that you all have rested, taken deep breaths, drank water, took a spiritual bath. Spoke life over yourself. Reversed any negative energy to those who spewed it on you tenfold, okay? I'm your host, as always, Sarah L. Ward, artivist, black woman, Creo. Y'all stay blessed now. What's got you